Hello and welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm talking to Nick Burkett. Nick is the co-owner of London-based Mexican restaurant group Poncho 8. Since launching with one shop in 2009, Poncho 8 has grown and grown at an amazing speed, earning the title of Best Burrito in London by the Evening Standard. Nick has been featured in numerous media publications and was recently invited to share the stage with Sir Richard Branson to talk about entrepreneurship. In this chat, we cover a lot of ground, but some of the highlights are Nick's views on altruism, the importance and power of simplicity, the benefits of a morning routine, why having emotional intelligence is so, so important, and how the belief that everything will be all right in the end influences his decisions and his life. Coming up right now in Spirit Big. Enjoy. Thank you so much, Nick, for being here. It's awesome to have you. No worries, dude. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Um, now, I just gave everyone a little, um, a little intro about, you know, a little bit about you. But right now, like, in, you know, in, in a couple of sentences, like, what, what's going on? You know, tell me a little bit about you. Uh, so we've been running a business called Poncho 8 for the past five years. Um, we've built up a chain of six burrito stores. We're opening two more in early 2015. Uh, and we've actually just put a new management team in to run it. Um, and my business partner and I are going to set up a new pizza concept, which should open 1st of June next year is the plan. Oh, amazing. So uh, yeah, Nick, all food exactly. And um, Nick, um, like, is yeah, he's quite quite a modest guy. I mean, I I would describe you as a sort of like serial entrepreneur. Every single time we have a chat, he's got another sort of app development idea or another like uh, like concept, and he's constantly like creating, creating, creating. And I think that's you know, it's it's amazing. Like every time I talk to you, it's uh, it's infectious. So um, but uh, you're very kind. <laughs> t- take it back a little bit. Like you used to work for um, BlackRock, didn't you? You were like an investment analyst. I was, yeah. But what, 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 that's quite a big change from Sunny, you know, having a pretty sort of good, well-paid, secure job and then suddenly throwing it all in. What, what, what made you leave the corporate world? Um, well, I think I went to uni in Edinburgh um, and then, like most people, you kind of fall into a job, you're presented with kind of four options, I guess, kind of law, accountancy, banking of some description and then something else is probably interesting <laughs> as well. Um, and then went to one of those book round events and got talking to someone who's on a stand and, and then ended up applying for Black Rock is the first place I applied to and got in, so I thought it was the, the, the dogs. <laughs> and um, and then got there and thought, wow, this is this is not for me at all. So actually, it was on my first day, I spoke to my mentor, and um, she said, you know, how long have you wanted to work here? And I said, to be honest, I really don't want to work here at all. I want to go and work in food. And it just came out. And I said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I, I, don't, know, I don't know why I said that. Like, are you going to fire me? And she said, no, 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 it's really interesting you said that because... I've always wanted to go and start a bakery. So the um, first meeting I ever had at BlackRock was we talked about food. Um, and then over the course of 18 months when I was there, um, we had these meetings every week and she talked about bakery and I talked about other food ideas that we were looking at. Um, and eventually I didn't have like something specific I was going to go and do. I just knew it wasn't BlackRock. So I left and got in touch with every kind of vaguely entrepreneurial person I'd met and said, look, can I work with you? Uh, and the two guys ended up, I ended up working with, one had started um, the sanctuary in Covent Garden, uh, so worked with him uh, in cosmetics, which ended up not being for me at all. And then the second guy um, had set up a bakery, so I worked with him for a bit. Um, and then that ended up with us having a shop in St. Paul's that we didn't take. Um, so I got in touch with this guy, Frank Young, uh, who I'd met a few years before, um, and then ended up investing in his business, Poncho 8, and then we opened the second Poncho together and. 2010 I think so yeah it was like um as ever with these things you kind of fall into it but I think it was always going to be food it was just which bit of food that it was going to be and I think now we almost on a daily basis have 
calls or emails from friends or friends of friends who want to get into food, um, but they're not sure whether they want to do retail or they want to do wholesale or they want to do a product or, or restaurant or what have you. Um, and yeah, for me, it was just a case of jump into something that was in vaguely food and then it, you kind of work your way into the bit that you like best. Fantastic. And did, did you, did you always have this sort of like since you were young, like this sort of entrepreneurial sort of thing or was it, did it come later on in life? Did you always know that you weren't going to go down that sort of traditional route? I mean, you obviously said you, you did, you, you went into it for a little bit, but did you always know that that just, that wasn't right or? No, definitely not. I think that, um, I think, what do I think about that? I, my, my family have always been in like normal jobs. So doctors, lawyers, etc. So I was always normal wanting job. to be a barrister when I was, um, when I was, um, younger um, and for various reasons that didn't happen. And then I think, to be honest, I, don't know, I was always, always one of those guys that felt that entrepreneurs were kind of super confident, nothing would knock them ever. They had a, an idea every 15 minutes and they were always you know, talking to investors and getting more and more cash. And that kind of, I think, probably put me off more than anything else. Um, but I think just having kind of fallen into a food opportunity and then as you surround yourself with creative people and you get an opportunity to be progressively more creative, I think then that just develops and develops. And I, you know, I still don't think we're terribly good entrepreneurs. I just think we get excited about a lot of stuff. And I think that, you know, we like to surround ourselves with people that excite us um, and get rid of people who don't excite us mm. and distance ourselves from those that don't. And I think that, yeah, I think um, I was having a conversation yesterday with a really good mate um, and he was saying, you know, can I pick your brain for five minutes? I really want to get and do my own thing. But you can see he was really kind of nervous about it. He was saying, um, you know, I had this idea, but I'm not quite sure. And, you know, as you can tell by his body language, he was really, like, normally he's a very confident guy, but you could tell he was struggling with it. And I think that transition from being in that guy's position, so he's in a no- normal job, as it were, um, and wanting to go and do his own thing is, is the hardest one, because as soon as you've done it, and even if you fail, you can tell when someone's jumped and they've got that confidence as to say, yeah, I did it, like I had a crack at it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, it, for all the people that you speak to who are like that, I think that's the, the hardest jump to make. And I, think, I think that's what you were just saying there about somebody who says, oh, can I just pick your brains for like five minutes? Um, I don't know. I was going to ask you because this is actually something I genuinely want to ask is um, ever since that we've known each other, um, you have this sort of like altruistic kind of thing, like where you're constantly asking, like, how can I help? How can I help? Or like, who can I put you in touch with? And like, is is that just is that just you? Is that just your character? Or have you like had the benefit of sort of mentors when you were starting out? And so it's almost like a, a pay it forward or where, where is that? Because you, yeah. you said you surround yourself by like minded people and. You, you, you're constantly um, like we, we've gone to a couple of sort of meetups and the people in the room it's, it's amazing like everyone is from sort of doing different crazy things but everyone is just sharing ideas talking about like marketing talking about what they're doing with some branding and it's this amazing sort of mastermind sort of uh, collection of people <laughs> like I don't know if that was just because um, you know you sort of just sort of you know, giving me a helping hand and just you know trying to be helpful or if that's just a sort of in that environment have you found that everyone is very sort of helpful and looking out for each other or i think um i think guess two two things that popped into my mind when when you said that one is that um i think as you get older you get more cynical and i think that in the last few months we've had a we've experienced some um some some people who weren't like that um and it made us realize even more that we didn't want to be like that Mm. um and i think that um Sometimes, the, or very often, the most successful people are those who are most willing to help. Now, I don't know whether they become successful because they're like that or they're like that because they're successful and they like sharing their stories. But um, for me, it, there's always a karma thing about it. Like, you help others and, and others will help you. Um, and I also think it's just kind of the future. Like, in the same way that companies have to treat their staff better mm. so that people will stay for longer because people are just coming more and more transient um, is one thing. And I think that 
with that kind of goes the sharing mentality. So there's a huge culture about startups at the moment, as, as you're fully aware. Um, and a lot of people talk rubbish. And um, there are a really good nugget of people who talk sense. And I think once you find people who you think talk sense, then they'll probably have friends who talk sense as well. Um, and I think that if you if you create yourself as one of those people who puts people in touch, then it's easier for you to get in touch with people once you need help as well. Mm. Um, and I think that I think uh, the way that we've helped people has changed. As in, we used to say, "Yeah, you know, we'll do whatever we want whenever we can and give you as much time." And I think that now we're, we're probably a little bit more practical about it. So, if you get introduced to someone cold, then we'll say, "Let's have a phone call first rather than going to meet them and then, you know, putting them in touch after they've kind of qualified themselves in a way because. You, know, you do get a lot of people who time waste and just kind of call up and say, oh, I want to do this. And they have like 65 ideas, but they're never going to do anything. And you kind of need to get them to prove to you that they're going to commit to it in some way. Mm. Um, so by, doing but, that, yeah. you're, by doing that, you're almost you're helping them in as well, because, you know, it's it's by making them actually go over a couple of hurdles first. Then by the time they get to you, then it's actually they've they've maybe thought out their ideas a bit more as well and you know, yeah they... definitely like, I, I couldn't agree more and i think that yeah you, you can all tell almost immediately whether someone is has a, like read an article about someone and kind of wants to be them but it's pretty transient versus you know the kind of people like you who've got like a crazy energy not quite sure necessarily where you want to go but it's kind of like right i'm going to do something by myself and i'm going to work my ass off to get to the next stage and the next stage might be interviewing people like this online or it might be like you're running some new massive company in Silicon Valley like, but it doesn't really matter as long as like that you know they're going to work their nuts off and they, mm. you know they're going to put energy into it basically oh, amazing um what, what 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 today like what's what's your like motivation today like why why do you do you I mean I know you're, you've said you you want to be in food and you know you've got you know I know that you know there's a couple other things you got in the pipeline which you know you haven't mentioned but like why why do you do what you do like is it just you just you love you love the thrill of the business or you, you're trying to create like, you know, your vision boarding, you've got like a dream or like, what, what's, what's your motivation? I think my answer to that used to be money. Um, and I think now, I think we've realized this year that it's really not, obviously money is part of it. Mm. Um, but I think that we've become, as we say, we, as Frank and I basically do everything together. We've become really, really good mates, if not best mates over the last few years. I think we've become much more visual about things, much more um, and design led as well. Um, so for me, I really want to create something that is very um, well designed, be that a physical, well, physical thing and um, the kind of the company structure as well. And also, I think once you've created something uh, and you can employ people, it's the most awesome feeling um, because you see that journey from we had an idea in a restaurant on Bermondsey Street to let's sketch out a business plan on the park bench outside that restaurant to you know, then you have an offer of money for you know, crazy valuation that you think is um, is what you think is is um, absolutely on on point, but other people will say, "No, nah, that's that's huge, that's huge." And it's that like kind of seat of your pants go from an idea to fruition is just the most incredible journey. And I think once you've had that, then it's really really tough to go back to kind of being employed as you were. Mm. But I mean, having said that, um, I do think that in many of these kind of interviews that you see in these kind of um, startup discussions, I think that too many people in our position kind of almost talk negatively about I've, I've kept saying normal jobs earlier in this chat or you know kind of talking negatively about being employed and I think I do think that's um, <clears throat> a mistake because I think for, for certain people they, they love that <clears throat> and they really thrive from that and I think that <clears throat> you know we've had mates who have run their own companies and you know got pissed off with all of the HR stuff and all the paperwork and all of the kind of over stress that you have to go through and you don't sleep for a few weeks but you know, if you find the right position and you can be employed and you just look after 
you know, the design of everything in the company. That's a, that would be an awesome thing to do as well, I think. Mm. Um, but I think for right now, what we're doing is absolutely right for us. And it gives us that scope to create, get involved with the finance and the design and all bits of it. And I think while we're kind of young and we've got a load of energy, that's exactly where we want to be. Amazing. And I know you're saying both the design in terms of like the structure, but also I know that you guys with um, Poncho 8 and actually a lot of the stuff you do, you, you, you keep um, sort of, uh, you're very interested in actually the designs of the the aesthetics of you know the experience of actually you know your shops the, the interiors. I know that you um I was, I was reading uh, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. There's an interview uh, on Virgin Startup and you're talking about how uh, you love like sort of Apple Apple products and their their sort of ethos. I mean, do you, you try to like sort of take some of that you know th- that some of the ethos and then brought it into your own businesses. Yeah, I think um, again when you ask these questions, you cite these like ludicrously big companies that really inspire you. And, and I think, um, I get, I think it's true. Um, I think it, it sounds ludicrous because they're so far removed from where we are right now. Um, but again, in the same way that, you know, these businesses go from idea to fruition pretty quickly, I don't see any reason why we can't be inspired by those kind of companies and, and kind of bring it into what we're creating. So, um, you know, now we used to get other people to design the restaurants. Now, you know, we've basically designed the next restaurant ourselves and it's, you know, from the kind of materials to um, how these materials are finished to the position and how many chairs and the height of the chairs relative to the table and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, and I guess that's taken from, you know, looking at products like Apple products, for example, you look at it and they're just so well designed and so well made. And we just hold more and more a fundamental belief that if you design something well, it really kind of conquers all kind of potential flaws in its use. And I also think that people, even if you don't appreciate consciously design, and if you don't consciously appreciate design, rather, um, you, you, you do appreciate it subconsciously, which is why the best design products, I was reading about paperclips, for example, yesterday in the, the history of a paperclip. Like, <laughs> there's so many iterations that went into the first paperclip, and now the one that we've got left is, or the more most commonly used, is kind of super flat, so it doesn't intrude on the rest of the papers, and it bends in just the right way, and it's shaped in, the, in a way that you know really works with a kind of thick mound or a small mound of paper. And all those kind of things are what we kind of draw inspiration from and, and kind of throughout the day and, and kind of affect every choice we make in the business, right? I love that. <laughs> I wasn't expecting your reference to be a paperclip, but I think that's, <laughs> if, you can, if you can tie it back, if you can bring it back to something as simple as a paperclip, then, you know, that's, I love that. <laughs> I think, I mean, simplicity has to be a, a, one of the main ways that we're going to go forward, I think, because there's so much information around it because you're... Um, you know, as we all know, we're battered by information all the time. I think that a brand that can do simplicity, certainly in the in the near future, is going to be one that succeeds. Um, so for whatever we do next, and I, and I hope it's this piece of business, we're going to make it as simple as possible um, because it just becomes more relaxing then. And I think also you, in making it simple, then your customers trust you more because, you know, if you go and buy an Apple computer, you have like three choices. If you go and buy a Dell computer, you have like 50 choices on each part of the computer, right? I, I, for me personally, that just leads to a lack of trust. And also that kind of awful feeling like, you know, it's like when you go to a restaurant with so much choice and you've got like a super good steak and I've got like a really weird vegetarian. <laughs> I'm like, oh, why did I go for this? I just wanted like a yeah, steak. Envy. There's two choices of like sauce for the steak and just the steak. It's that kind of simplicity that I think we're trying to build into whatever we're doing now. I like that. And um, that kind of ties into, I was going to ask you, because I, I know that you've, have a morning routine which you you do every day like you you, you stretch you meditate you set your goals and this this idea of like simplicity and like you know, i know you meditate you you come quite zen like i don't know isn't it this idea of just like less is more so you just actually cut back like the superfluous stuff and then just bring back thing back things back to the basics almost um yeah i think um, why why do you why do you why do you meditate 
because my I, because my mind's always full of thoughts, and I think that um, I think that in what we do specifically, because we want to be very successful in in fast casual food and in and in food more generally, um, th- there has to be an incredible attention to detail, um, and I think that's the case in loads of other businesses too. But I think specifically in restaurants, because people are so critical about restaurants, because everyone thinks they are a restaurant critic, because they've seen so many TV programs, then you know you have to think about you know how does this marble appear in front of me, and how thick is it, and how you know how wide does it need to be, and you know, what's the depth between the chair top and the top of the table? Like, if you're thinking about those kind of details the whole time, then your mind is full of thought the whole time, and and that then leads to kind of what are you inspired by? So. Yesterday, I was at a market around the corner of my house, and I saw this massive copper bath, which would look incredible in our new restaurant. So I was kind of going in, looking at the thickness of it, and then if it's that thick, how long is it going to last? And then kind of the heat of the water, and there were certain bits that um, would um, transmit heat, and certain bits that weren't copper and wouldn't. And kind of all these kind of thoughts are getting through your mind. And I guess <laughs> the reason I'm saying that is because in relation to your question, things like a, you know, a couple of minutes of meditation in the morning kind of help you chill out a bit. Because I think there's a danger if you've got the kind of mind that I've just outlined that you get a bit too involved in the detail that you start kind of over-processing a bit. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's just a few minutes in the morning. Um, and then the stretching thing, I guess, is just just to kind of unwind the body a bit and then it kind of that then goes into a run. So, And I also think that um, I used to think that um, doing something different every morning was quite healthy. But actually, I think to wake up and to do the same routine, even if it's just for a few minutes, so it's meditate, stretch, and then plan the day. Um, I think is a really healthy way of doing it because I think it gives you that consistency that actually is a, is a positive thing. Mm-hmm. I then think for the rest of the day that obviously every day is different, so that's that's where the kind of the um, the uh, difference comes in. But yeah, for me, it's keeping the morning bit the same. So you can decide every single morning it just starts in the right note, and then you know, then the craziness of the rest of the day, then you know, I'm sure that unfolds. But you decide how it kind of how it starts. Yeah, exactly. And that goes for food too, actually. Now. So I used to have something different every morning for breakfast, but now it's like, right, this works for me. I'm going to start with this. Because you know that you've got like the right energy, the right balance of kind of the what, foods that you should have. What is, what is the food? What do you go for? Uh, now I'm going for, I have whole wheat muffins, two eggs, two ham, and then a, a, normally barbecue sauce, which is homemade. So something like that. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, the carrot one. Um. Another thing, you talk about the importance of, and I'd just like you maybe just to um, elaborate on it, like the importance of emotional intelligence and how that's such a key thing amongst, you know, amongst your team because, you know, you have many people in your business. And could you maybe just explain to me and explain to our listeners a little bit like why why is emotional intelligence so important and what, and what do you mean by emotional intelligence? Um, so I understand by, by emotional intelligence, that for me means um, basically reading other people. Um, and I think that comes through kind of body language, it comes through email tone, it comes through text tone, it comes through the way that choose, people choose to interact. Um, and I think um, in what we're trying to do, so as a kind of entrepreneur in inverted commas, um, so we're trying to yeah, be successful in food, we're trying to be successful in other industries as well. And you just have to read people across all those industries. And then you go from, um, you know, pitching to investors. So you've got to be reading that this guy's in a suit and is he in a really expensive suit and who's he just seen and then how's he reacting to the last meeting and then what's he thinking about next and then have I got five minutes because he said I've got five minutes but we had a meeting the other day where we said we had five minutes and we were there two hours later and kind of I guess just analyzing every single again it comes down to detail I guess of how people are behaving and then speaking um, I guess commercially how can you use that to best benefit you and your company mm. um, is 
from a, I guess that's more towards investors. And then that, you know, that comes down to, you know, the guy who washes up in the poncho St. Paul's is a Bangladeshi guy who's just the most charming guy in the world. And he would always appear happy, but you could tell some days that he wasn't quite right. And then you call, you know, call him out and have a chat and, you know, you find out something that's, is wrong back home. And I think, and if you, I think, you know, we aspire to be really, really good leaders. And some people will say we were, and some people will say we were absolutely horrendous probably. Um, but I think that to, to be a really good leader, then you have to have great emotional intelligence so you can read across everyone in your organization and you can read how people in other organizations re- relates to yours as well. Um, so, yeah, we, we focus a huge amount, not consciously, I guess, like we don't talk about emotional intelligence all the time, but I think we really take time to, you know, if something's not going quite right, then we'll kind of call it out and say, look, let's have a chat. What's up? We don't kind of... Okay, so the best example, actually, sorry, I'm rambling, but the, the best example we no, have... it's interesting. Is, it's, it's, it's interesting because just, a, yeah. Just we had a Tuesday morning meeting every week, and a section we brought into that was um, called Obstacles, um, because we found that occasionally a couple of people in the meeting would kind of build up and build up and build up, and then after a few months, they would say, ah, this has really been pissing me off, and like, why have you done this, and why have you done this, and why have you done this? So that only became a big thing because they let it build up. So we said, look, if anything is is an obstacle, even if it's... Like I really don't like your grey and green shirt, Jet Duncan. It doesn't work for me. And you wear it every Wednesday morning. Me, like, I will uh... especially. I was I was, I was picking out things for about half an hour before the interview started. So you have to you have to come out with those things as soon as it becomes a problem, and you have to recognise that it's a problem, and that helps solve so many problems across the business. And that again was, um, I guess, emotional intelligence is particularly relevant in the restaurant industry because you have so many cultures in that industry, mm. kind of by definition. Uh, because of the way the labor model works. So you have, you know, we had kind of 15 different nationalities in one store and the store is tiny, so they're together the whole time. So unless you really hammer at home that you guys have got to get on and how do you guys get on and then put exercises in places to, you know, the, the most the best means of communication and therefore improving emotional intelligence, then I think it's it's really hard to run a decent company. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. Thank you. And um, w- one thing which... Uh, I heard you say when I, I keep on quoting you when like as if, as if we had this conversation the other day. But <laughs> I've been doing my little research, I was reading a couple of articles and reading some stuff. But it was actually like um, it's sort of an ethos which I also like try and live by, which which I which I love. And you said um, I think it was your mum, you know, is giving you this advice. You know that you know everything will be all right, and just knowing that you know everything will be all right, and you know whatever whatever I, I do, you know. It might, it might, you know, go, you know, it might go shit. It might not go that well, but you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be all right. Do you feel that that kind of, you know, that that mentality has allowed, you know, has opened up, you know, what kind of freedoms has that given you in sort of like business and in life? Because I think we're constantly so worried about, you know, messing up or th- things going wrong or rejection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you because know, you've got that mentality that you know, worst case scenario, you know, you'll be able to, you know, sort it out. Has that? Has mm-hmm. that? allowed you to take you know more risks or yeah i think that um we've become very data focused this year um and i guess it helps us make decisions in different ways and i say that because generally if you look at the data of your life things tend to work out like there have been huge times when you um you get really really worried say you know when you take your gcse's or you take your a levels like those are the biggest things in the world for you at that time. <laughs> you look back at them now you're like why is it so worried about sweating like no yeah and, and like when when we're 50 years old and we look back at now you're like oh you're really stressing about that deal why you know it's a tiny tiny deal and i guess when you look at it like that you say well and, and that coupled with an ability to be able to step back and analyze kind of um third hand almost what you're going through and objectively and you say, look, what, what, what's causing me stress here? It's this issue here. And then 
what can I do to solve this, this, and then am I worrying about things that I can't control? Yes. And then fundamentally, like, have these kind of decisions worked out in the end? Yeah. Um, and then there are those times that you go through just, um, kind of problems and, um, I guess, decision-making phases that you've never been through before. And then that you kind of have to say with those, well, look, generally we've behaved well in the past and generally things have worked out, so I'm sure this would be exactly the same. Um, and then I guess that coupled with, um, I was talking to a friend yesterday, um, we went out for lunch and we're both kind of, um, we, I think we call ourselves warriors as we need to say, oh, what about this, what about that, what about this? And she just had this amazing moment. She was saying, like, I've just realized that it's really not worth spending all of the energy and effort worrying about stuff. So I'm just kind of relaxing about it. And she'll go through a phase, like she'll go through that and then she'll start worrying about it and, and then she'll you know, be back in the kind of relaxed phase again. But I think, um, I do think that lots of the kind of good entrepreneurs that we've met are very conscious of everything and therefore they become warriors whether um whether kind of um, knowingly or not you can see them kind of over processing stuff so yeah i think that ability just to go everything's fine um and things will work out which gives you that kind of a kind of little bit of a kind of seat of your pants mentality that i think you do need to have um and i think related to everything we've just talked about i would say that you do need to have a business partner because i think that particularly to this last point a business partner helps you put things in perspective and if you're stressing out and it's kind of got beyond your um, remit of i can control this and everything's going to be fine then normally one of you kind of plays the savior and it's like look dude you'll be fine and this is how we're going to work out together and let's like do a structured plan rather than thinking it's just like a whole piece that we can't solve um but yeah I, i do think you need to have that kind of everything's going to be fine if you're going to kind of take risks and, and set up new companies, definitely. Oh, fantastic. I know I'm, I'm very conscious of time because um, I know we've only got a couple of minutes left, but um, just maybe a couple of just speed round questions just to finish yeah, yeah, off. Fine. And um, this is one I've, I've been asking to like most of the people I've, I've talked to, but um, it's a little bit open-ended, so you can cover <laughs> But what, what, is it, what does a fulfilled life mean to you? I turned 30 on Friday, was it? Friday, yeah. So, and then um, those are the kind of times in life where you go, Christ, what am I doing? And then uh, what should I be focusing on for the next period of my life? And I think that um, I look back at the last few years and think I've worked a bit too hard, I think. And I think, so my focus for the next business in the next few years is to, which relates to what's a fulfilled life, I guess, is like a better mix of mates and family as well as work. Because I do think that certainly in your, or in our first business, we worked too hard. I think we worked inefficiently and, and, and too long and, and too hard um so therefore i think yeah full world life is kind of related to what we said at the beginning of the conversation so helping others um in the kind of sphere that you can help with recognizing when you can't um spending a lot of time with mates um and kind of sharing what you're up to as well um and then fundamentally believing in yourself at what you're doing um and we've been told very, a lot recently that we're not very good at what we're doing and you can't do this and you can't do that but we kind of blast through it and then we are doing it and we're going to do it even better next time so yeah i think a good mix of kind of believing in yourself and kind of pig-headedly going at that alongside having that kind of modesty and kind of a bit of altruism as to helping others and, and kind of being a, spending a lot of time with mates and, and family as well. Fantastic. I think. Um, and finally, um, what, what's one thing or one piece of advice that you think that, you know, our listeners could do today that will have a massive positive effect on their lives? In terms of business or in terms of life? In terms of life, like be it like, you know, be it meditation, be it that morning routine, be it, um, I don't know, doing one g- good thing for somebody else a day. Or like, what's, what's one thing which either you've done or you've had experience doing that you think would be like, would have a great, you know, impact? Um, I think for, for me, then it, re- it comes back to the kind of data point and not data necessarily in the kind of um, matrix sense of the world where you've got streams of numbers, but um, 
very often when we've got um, people in the company who have, haven't been, well, have been not at their best, normally when you sit them down and say, what's the matter? Then they can tell you what the matter is. And then if you say, how are you going to solve that? They can tell you how you're going to solve it. But because they haven't kind of stepped back and, and realised that, then they kind of fret and fret and fret and get more and more negative about it. So I guess um, for, the, for anyone who's kind of watching and, and thinking I've got a problem, then rather than just kind of thinking I've got a problem, you think, right, what is the problem? Write it down on a piece of paper and then think, right, what's the best option I can think of in the next 10 minutes to fix that problem? And then doing it. Um, and that relates, I guess, to the, the largest point actually that I was discussing with someone today, which was... Um, like when is the the moment to jump or when is the moment to start your new thing or when is the moment to kind of implement that new decision you've been thinking about um we we tend to do things now <laughs> so it's kind of right i've had an idea let's do something about it now um so yeah i guess that is a combination of kind of doing it now doing something now that can can improve whatever it is you're worrying about or whatever it is that can make your life even better than it is right now yeah and that action builds momentum and just you know Fantastic. Yeah, definitely. I think it really does. And that relates back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the chat, I think, about the energy thing um, and about, you know, when those people come to see you, um, as, as I'm sure they do with you too, it's kind of, you can tell if they've got that energy, 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 then they're going to do something good because they're going to have so much energy that are going to drive things so fast um, that even if they mess up the first and second and the third and the fourth, like their fifth thing is going to be flipping amazing. Um, uh, yeah, so that's it, I think. It's almost that blind naivety. Like, you, you almost, you know, yes, you're so naive, but almost that, that naivety, like, <laughs> somehow gets you over a couple of the hurdles. You yeah, know, but everything, going... everything's so, so um, kind of in, um, intertwined as well. Like someone was talking to me about a new idea they wanted to do with kind of looking after their house. And um, like he was kind of concerned that he'd spend too long on this, and if it didn't work out, then that would be it. But, you know, if you spend hours and hours and hours researching a business is going to improve your house, then that is fundamentally linked to, I don't know, the, the new computer design or the new car design or, you know, the, the new way to get along the Thames or whatever it's going to be. Like, all these things are so intertwined because, you know, fundamentally they have kind of humans behind them. And when you're researching businesses, it's normally fundamentally about researching how humans are going to interact with you as your, as your customers. Um, so, yeah, I think all these things are interlinked. And they pretty much always come back to energy, confidence and being positive about things. Fantastic. And finally, how, how can people find out more about you? Like, can they connect with you? Like, where, where's the best place for us to send people? Mm, Poncho8.com is the, are the best burritos in London, so they should go there. <laughs> They've been voted by Evening person. Standard and lots of people. Yeah, it's the much. best burrito in London, Good so there'll definitely be a link to that. <laughs> Nick, thank you so much for giving up your, uh, giving up your evening. It's been fascinating talking to you. And uh, it's, uh, I will, uh, yeah, it's been, you, you've been so helpful and so inspiring for me. And um, thanks so much for just giving, yeah, for giving some more insights into a bit of your business and, uh, your life, really. Is it really? Yeah, well, lovely to talk to you. This lovely. is your life with Nick Burke. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, well, lo- lo- nice to speak to you. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye.